Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including yours. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites, and man, they just keep coming. Up next, we have a piece from one of our regular contributors, Stephen Rosiniak. This piece was published in his local newspaper. The story is entitled Lessons from Whoville. It's about a devastating flash flood that severely damaged Stephen's church and the surprising response from the community. Stephen asked the director of music at the Pakenak Community Church, Daniel Mullins, to read the story for us. Here's Daniel. It was an image that I just couldn't shake. The residents of Whoville had come together on that Christmas morning, knowing full well that overnight the Grinch had absconded with their gifts. But still they gathered as a community in faith and hope and love, all the while choosing to look beyond the previous night's somber circumstances, focusing instead on the present, focusing on what needed to be done, and most importantly, focusing on everything that truly mattered. I couldn't help but notice the similarities between Dr. Seuss's imaginary morning in the book How the Grinch Stole Christmas and the real-life morning at the Pakenak Community Church 
where just 14 hours earlier, a sudden flash flood had triggered unbelievably powerful waves of dirt-filled water containing copious amounts of mulch, leaves, and logs to come crashing through the church's downstairs windows, and likewise, through the windows of the attached cooperative nursery school. It was a flood so intense and so fast-moving that within seconds, it had completely destroyed the church offices, classrooms, files, and everything else in its path. The volunteers arrived that sunny Monday morning en masse. Congregants and extended family members, parents whose children attended the school, and their teachers too, assorted friends and neighbors, contractors, volunteering their time and expertise, so many people, many of whom we didn't know, all responding to lend a hand. They came out that morning with buckets and mops, with boots and bleach, with cases of water and food, all wishing to help, to save the place where they'd been confirmed or married or attended scout meetings, where their food pantry donations helped to feed the hungry and where their used books were given a second life with less fortunate children. A place where the youngest members of the congregation were baptized or, later in life, memorialized. It was a place that for so long had meant so much to so many. And so they came. And just like the residents of Whoville, Rather than reflecting upon the events of the previous night, they simply got down to the business of addressing what it was that had brought them together in the first place. They shoveled and swept away the mud that was now littered with pages of sheet music from church programs and pageants past. They hoisted files and furniture, children's books and Bibles, carpets and pieces of the walls, computers and a copier, all now ruined and banished to an ever-growing mountain of soggy, wet, contaminated trash just outside the breezeway and school entrances. But maybe, most surprisingly of all, in the school where volunteers were already engaged in the early stages of cleanup, and likewise throughout the downstairs of the formerly flooded church, there could be heard the sounds of laughter of talking, and of teamwork. The volunteers, sweaty and mud-covered, were creating miracles by the minute, reclaiming what had been damaged and what could be salvaged, all the while acknowledging that for as bad as it was, it could have been worse. Oddly enough, and insomuch as it would have been justified, there were no tears shed that morning in the fictional village of Whoville or likewise, that morning in the real world, in a place called the Pakanak Community Church. But of course, many of us came close. Surveying the moving army of muddied volunteers in motion from just outside the building, one church elder admitted to me how much he felt like crying. But in truth, his emotions weren't the result of any damages done. Instead, he said, they had everything to do with the tremendous outpouring of love and support that the two of us, even as we stood there, were witnessing. He added that when his tears begin, as he knew they eventually would, what we were watching would be the reason. I completely understood. The work is ongoing, and that's okay. But until the restoration is complete and a sense of normalcy one day returns, I know that, at least for a while, a certain image will never be far from my thoughts. And who could have ever thought that a children's story presented in rhymed verse could have provided such a relevant message of hope for so many volunteers doing such remarkable things at my church? Lessons learned from Whoville. Imagine that. And a special thanks to Daniel Mullins, the director of music at the Pakenak Community Church, for performing that piece, to Stephen Rasiniak for writing it, and to Faith for producing it. 
Our own faith does such great work here. And my goodness, these kinds of stories we love to tell, and those tears that were being shed wasn't because of the damage and carnage they'd seen, but because of the volunteerism and the grace and love that they were witnessing. And that happens across this great country all the time, every day. And we love bringing stories like this to America and across this great country. Lessons from Whoville, here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we continue with our American stories. And now Robbie brings us the story of Jason Wolf. He created the first online coupon site and was the first to seriously develop software that tracked web browsing using what are known as cookies. Jason is here to bring us the story of becoming the father that he never had himself. Here's Jason. Jason. <laughs> 
You know, I, I think my very first memories were when I was living in Virginia. My dad worked in the CIA, so we lived in a place called Ruston, Virginia, which was like a new suburb of Washington, D.C. back then. I could remember having a bike and learning how to ride a bike with my dad, and I must have been maybe three or four. And I remember going down this little hill that he was pushing me down and, you know, basically being scared and then being happy that I learned how to ride a bike. So, yeah, it was my earliest memory. Something that, that happened in my life that I remember that was like a pivotal thing, probably when my mom and dad got um, separated. By then, it was 1975, so I was six or so. And I could remember my dad driving, he had a Volkswagen, sort of like a station wagon Volkswagen. It loaded all of us up into this Volkswagen, drove up to Connecticut, and all of us, meaning my brother and sister and I, drove us up to Connecticut and dropped us off with my grandparents, with my mom. My mom was acting strange, I didn't know what was going on. Um, and then he left, and that was the beginning of their divorce. And Shortly after that, my mom, turned out later I found out, my mom had mental illness, and so she was put into a sort of a mental institution for a couple years. So for a couple years, after my dad dropped us off, my mom was, you know, going through trying to get herself back together. And yeah, those are, those are the, that's probably the next milestone of my life. I could remember when my mother was um, they were trying to get her to take her into the, this mental institution, whatever, she was put away for a couple years. And they somehow couldn't get her, she was elusive. <laughs> and I can remember my sister and I going to this hospital and they were getting her there under some other uh, guise, some other trick to get her to show up. And so she shows up and my sister and I are sitting out there. By now I'm probably a little older, six or seven. And um, I remember the, uh, we, they had my sister and I playing sort of games out inside this room. And I remember hearing some screaming. And I look over and here's my mother running towards me with a, with a straitjacket on because they were trying to put her into a straitjacket. And that was like hugely pivotal and cr kind of crazy at that time. And from then, over the next course of a couple years, I mean, we lived with grandparents, um, I lived with an aunt for a little bit and then eventually moved in with um, an uncle. And my mom came out of the institution, tried to take us back, get back on her feet, living in sort of, you know, welfare life, not a lot of money, poor. I can remember a Christmas vividly when I was around nine at this point and just laying under a blanket with no heat in the house and getting a knock at the door and at the door was, uh, looked out the door was a box with uh, frozen turkey and some games for us. And, you know, we couldn't cook the turkey. We had no gas. So we had no gas to light the stove. We were the poor people. We were the, what they, I called the raggies. You know, the raggies of town, the people that were real raggy and poor and stuff. That was us. And so, yeah, I remember that. And then living with an uncle and then having to make a decision when I was about 10 uh, whether I wanted to go to this new school that they discovered that this nun that we were uh, going to a church uh, told my grandmother about down in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It was a school for, at the time it was boy, boy school. And they were just converting over to add girls. And it was in the late 70s, 79 or so. And we went down, took the test, came back, my brother and I, my brother didn't pass the test, I did. And they asked me, I can remember standing uh, at my uncle's house in the on the second floor and they were asking me, do you want to go to the school or do you want to go with your uncle, aunt and uncle to go to California because they were moving to California. And I decided to go to Milton Hershey School alone by myself, which was hugely, you know, that was, God's, that was a God moment. There was no real reason for me to choose to not go with my family, but I chose to not go with my family and to go down to Milton Hershey School. And so on September 20th, 1980, uh, it was a fall day, crisp out, football season, sunny. Uh, I'll remember just like yesterday, and I could feel the air, even right now, and being dropped off at Milton Hershey School. And my mother and my grandparents were there, 
and inside this place called the Rotunda, which is a huge building at Milton Hershey School. And I can remember Mr. Long standing there with me. He was the person that had the intake of children coming into Milton Hershey School. And I can remember standing with Mr. Long and looking at my parents and my, or my mother. I, by now I thought my dad was dead because my mom told us he was not alive, so he never paid child support and we really thought he was dead. So seeing my mother cry, my grandparents standing there, and then they walk away and I'm, and I'm alone now. I didn't realize, but that I'd be on my lawn for a long time thereafter. And growing up in that school, I can remember not even a few months into it, maybe crying every night, trying to put myself to sleep and starting to try to get used to the school at the time was a, you know, um, corporal punishment was not, um, it was something that happened. It just happened, right? It was part of discipline. And I can remember running away and I remember getting paddled. I remember these things that I wasn't used to and it was scary and, and I cried and I didn't want to be there. But I learned to adapt and to change, to figure things out. Eventually I did. And eventually I excelled. I became, played three sports, football, baseball, and wrestling. Some of them I was a captain on, some of the teams I excelled in. My grades were always good. I was in the top group of our class, probably in the top, you know, handful of kids and then um, you know went on to college but before going on to college <laughs> I remember sitting at graduation day next pivotal moment was just sitting there and um, you know with a suitcase of clothes and a hundred bucks because they gave you a check at the time of a hundred dollars I think mine was less than a hundred because I owed the school something for something that I did I don't even know and I couldn't cash the check because I didn't have a bank account and I had a suitcase with the brand new clothes, you know, three pairs of socks, 10 pair of underwear, something like that, a bunch of pants, you know. And I'm sitting there with this big suitcase of clothes, this check I can't cash. And my grandfather had a stroke, so he was on the last months of his life. Um, my mother was always, you know, dysfunctional. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, you know. So I went up to Connecticut and I stayed with my grandmother to help her to take care of my grandfather until he died. And he passed away within a couple months. And I didn't go to college. Um, I wasn't sure what I was gonna do. And um, so I got involved in like a lot of things that somebody who has no family, uh, really, um, who has no direction, um, no male mentorship, um, Christ not in my life to any uh, large measure. And so I got involved in things that were uh, illegal. And I didn't do, you know, I don't, I'm not proud about it, but there was a stretch of my life right there that I was led, I was kind of going down the wrong roads. And, um, you know. Thankfully, Jason, after a number of setbacks, had a moment of clarity. And after years of hard work, he created the first coupon website ever. And then the first real software to use cookies to track web browsing, which he sold for roughly $22 million. So that was 2006, and by then I was married. Uh, I was only married for a couple years, and I had a son, Morris, um, and I ended up going through divorce. I get uh, the old, you know, you're locked out of your home type of deal. I go to go into my house and, and all the locks are changed. I was only married for two years. Um, I didn't know the person I was getting married to. I only knew her for four months before she got, I got married, and I married her because she was pregnant. And you've been listening to Jason Wolf tell the story of his life and what a story it is. When we come back, more of the life story of Jason Wolf here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we're back with Our American Stories and with the story of Jason Wolfe. Jason's childhood was anything but easy. His mother was institutionalized, his father leaving and later dying, or at least that's what young Jason was told. Down the road, Jason had a son and got married. Unfortunately, that ended after a few years, and Jason found himself in the middle of a divorce. Here's Jason to tell us the rest of the story. So during that divorce and after that divorce, it was a time for me, I think, to when God started knocking on my door and saying, hey, all this stuff you've got to do, you've got to be starting to change the way you live and put, put God first. Even though going through divorce wasn't fun, it was, you know, financially it was a mess. It was because I sold a company during the time that I was married, it became a marital asset. And that was a big problem. And but. I started to go to church more. I started, I was, you know, invited into a men's group and I started the journey to change my life, to bring me as a man more towards Christ in a real way, as opposed to just saying that I'm a Christian. When I got divorced, it was easy for, you know, the lawyers to say, hey, you know, um, let's just kind of settle this disagreement and um, I'm signing papers, honestly, I didn't realize this, Robbie, that is saying that I have, I didn't know what the lingo, lingo meant at the time. I didn't know what primary custody meant compared to just custody. I didn't know what legal custody meant. All I just knew was like, you have the kid or you don't. I, I quickly figured it out because I didn't have equal physical and legal custody. I had sort of visitation rights. I think that's terrible for dads at the time, and that's how it was for me. And I had to then try to argue with the court that I could be an equal father and I wanted to be uh, equally in, in Morris's life. And his mom tried to stop that. And so for years, from 2006 all the way up to 2011, uh, we fought uh, for uh, equal custody. 
And eventually in 2000, I think it was 11 or 10, uh, the governor at the time, Rendell, Pennsylvania, was leaving office and he uh, uh, put a, a change to the, the law or the thing about parental equal custody. Uh, at the time, I had to prove that I was an equal father. Like I was proved that I was, instead of just automatically giving equal custody to both parents and then disproving that the other person couldn't be a parent. And so when he did that, it allowed me to have 50-50 custody. It was a wonderful thing. And I think that's how it always should have been, but it wasn't at the time. So yeah, it took years for me to fight for him, to just be in his life. Um, you know, and, and he was a big part of my life. We spent, um, I didn't get remarried until um, 2017. So for 10 years, it was just Morris and I, and my dog Toby, our dog Toby. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with him. I focused on Morris. I did his homework with him. I, I was involved in the school. I was involved with his doctors. I was an equally involved father, as it should be. And I loved it. I loved to be involved in his life. Um, he's older now, 15, 16. Kids change. <laughs> he doesn't want to listen to me as much as he did before, but that's okay. Since then, I did get remarried, and we have uh, fostered, and we have adopted. So we have two girls now that we've adopted. Um, Danielle, who's five, and uh, Marigold, who is eight. Uh, we got them when they were three and three and six. Um, and so, so we love them. We have two new girls, and we have a boy right now, too. We foster. His name is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, we hope, uh, eventually will be our son. And so our family went from just Morris and I and our dog to... Susan, my wonderful wife, Danielle, Marigold, Morris, Jeremiah, the dogs, and my wife loves animals. We have a donkey and a goat, two goats, and um, a pony. <laughs> so yeah, things have expanded, but that's good. All these struggles, all these challenges that I had, I learned later in life that, you know, it was God banging on my heart my heart was getting broken over and over and over. And it was because God wanted to get into my heart. My heart was hard. And so I think these struggles have made my heart softer. And a softer, gentler heart was needed when Jason had to face the man he'd grown up thinking was dead. The man who left his family when he was six, his own father. And so I found out my dad was alive in 1992. I was... 22 years old, 21 years old. I was in college and found out he was alive. We sent letters to my grandmother who wouldn't tell us where he was and then she would send the letters to my father and he lo and, lo and behold wasn't dead. <laughs> and um, Found out he lived in New Zealand. He had a whole different life and I ended up going down and meeting him probably when I was 23. I spent about a month with him. Uh, got to know him a little bit and um, over the course of a couple years, knew him a little bit more, but I wasn't with Christ yet. And so what I decided to do was to say to my dad, listen, I don't forgive you unless you apologize. You need to apologize to my mom. You need to apologize to my grandmother because I am the judge. I didn't leave it up to God. I lived it up myself. I'm going to dictate this situation. So he did. He sent a letter to my mom and my grandmother. And now my grandmother and my mother knows where he lives, right? <laughs> and so now all of a sudden it's a lawsuit. It's my mom suing my dad because he never paid child support. Now my dad's wanted and in the United States couldn't come back here. And if he did, he'd go to jail. And he had a, a, a judgment against him of $418,000 and back child support and interest and everything else, penalties, whatever. So he couldn't come back. And it was because of me that that happened. And because of my thought that I needed to tell somebody what to do or I needed to be the judge of somebody else that caused him that pain. So I felt bad about that. And so when I sold the last company in 2016, I hired a lawyer and I found the documents down in Virginia, the divorce documents between my mom and my dad, found the settlement amount or the amount that they had leaned against my dad. And I went up to Connecticut and uh, met with my mom and convinced her to allow me to pay her on behalf of my father. So I would pay her. I'd buy her house at the time. The house was probably worth 100,000. I gave her 200,000. I gave her a commitment of $2,000 a month over the, her, the rest of her life. 
and give her some other stuff in exchange for her releasing my father of the debt that he owed her. And she did. And so it was a proud moment for me to be able to tell my dad, hey, listen, I settled your debt to my mom. And I was able to live that out because of my faith. Now, my father, all his years, was not very close to the Lord. I don't even think, I think he was probably an atheist or agnostic, agnostic at best. And in the last several years, he married somebody, Rebecca, who was a Christian. And now my dad, at like the 75 years old, is going to church and he's in a, in a, um, a small group at church. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, I'm telling you. And so it's been a, it's been a, a really a great journey for me with my dad. And, you know, I forgave him. I forgave him in the right way. I didn't forgive him because of me telling him what to do. I forgave him because Christ forgave me. And I think that's been special for me. And what a remarkable piece of storytelling. Thanks to Robbie for producing the piece. And a special thanks also to Jason Wolf for sharing his story. My goodness, being abandoned by his father, the mental illness of his mother, being alone all that time, then the divorce, then the fight to get equal custody of his son. And he found his dad at the age of 22, tried to reconcile, forgave him incorrectly the first time and correctly the second, and it changed everything. The story of Jason Wolf, the, so, the story of so many men and women struggling to find peace and healing in this world here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. 
Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we continue with our American stories. Up next, a listener story from Brent Timmons, who listens to us on Spotify in Delaware. Today, Brent shares with us a story called Under My Thumb. Take it away, Brent. 35 years after I'd spent the better part of a summer in Louisville with my Uncle Bud and Aunt Tinka, we sat at her dining room table with my wife, Tina. Our four kids played in the adjacent room. We listened to music from 1969. A black woman, Nina Simone, sang haunting songs about the mistreatment of African-American women in 1960s society. Uncle Bud talked about the glory days of sitting on his front porch with Tinka and her friends in the early 70s, discussing how they were going to make the world a better place to live, a world where everyone respected the rights of everyone else. All they would need was love. We talked about Abe Lincoln's depression and how ironic it was that such a depressed man would take on such a depressing job of leading this country through a war, ironically, to attempt to save it. We talked about how he must have laid in bed at night and wept as he thought about Americans killing Americans in an effort to forge a united country. We talked about Tinka crying upon hearing the news of Kent State, learning again about Americans killing Americans in an effort to define themselves as a country. We didn't discuss the things that an 8-year-old and a 31-year-old spoke of during that summer in 1969. We had matured 36 years. I was now 44, Uncle Bud was still going strong at 67, and Tinka somehow still a beautiful 29 years of age. We talked about how those 36 years had changed us. We discussed the similarities between 1860, 1960, and 2005 America and the events that shaped our country during those critical years. In each case, someone rose up who was able to clearly articulate ideals held dear to their heart. This very day, we had visited Abraham Lincoln's birthplace. Scrawled everywhere was evidence of a man who could express his heart and mind. How fortunate we were as a nation to have a man who could ponder life and then speak so clearly, so briefly, in the way the average 1860 citizen could understand. Certainly, Martin Luther King was one of those men in 1960. Certainly, this black woman whose songs we were listening to was one of those women. But who were these men and women today? Was it one of us? Was it one of our young children playing out in Tinka's pool? Perhaps a great gene of wisdom passed from my grandfather, through Uncle Bud and my mother, through me, to Asher, and would surface one day in our now two-year-old son. We were right in the middle of listening to Nina sing a song detailing a method of keeping white men from taking advantage of black women, the song which reportedly encouraged Mick Jagger to pursue a life of music when we were thrust back into the present. As if on cue, practically by the hand of an all-knowing God determined to restore humility to my large head, we heard a cry from the latest little family thinker, Asher. Apparently, he had fallen and cracked his young and still small head on the counter of Tinka's 1950s Art Deco diner-style table. Uncle Bud matter-of-factly asked if we needed to go to the emergency room for stitches. Upon closer inspection, That did not appear to be necessary, but I could see that Tina was not totally convinced and was concerned about scarring. We decided a call to a nurse friend in Delaware would give us more information by which to make a decision. We concluded that butterfly bandages would be adequate for this crisis. The last thing I wanted to do was spend the next six hours in the ER. It was not what I wanted our kids to remember about their trip to visit their Uncle Bud and Aunt Tinka. Uncle Bud and I valiantly volunteered to drive to the pharmacy for the bandages. As I stood before the shelf searching for the butterfly type, I spied a product called Liquid Bandage. Immediately, my great knowledge 
of Vietnam trivia came to mind. I had heard that superglue was originally invented to mend battlefield cuts during the Vietnam era. I shared my wealth of trivia with Uncle Bud and decided that in addition to the butterfly bandages, we would get some liquid bandage. So we left the store with $9 worth of first aid supplies. We arrived back home at Tinka's and began with surgical precision to repair Asher's cut. The gash was just over his eyebrow. I was concerned about leaking the liquid bandage onto his eye, so I firmly rested my pinky under his eyebrow, which also served to close up the wound, a task which had been suggested by our nurse friends. We carefully applied a little of the liquid and waited the suggested 30 or so seconds for the bandage to set. Our plan was working beautifully. No liquid to the eye, no bleeding, no gaping, no problem. As I relaxed and began to loosen my hold on Asher's head, he began to whimper. It was then that I realized a small flaw in the procedure. The directions, which I had carefully read, said that the liquid flowed freely until setting. Indeed, it had flowed from the wound down the entire length of my pinky. My great intellectual ability to anticipate possible effects had paid off. The one small glitch was that my pinky was now affixed to my son's eyebrow. I announced my predicament, and Tina quickly resorted to her faith with an exclamation of, Oh, Lord! I recalled from the directions that some form of oil would release the adhesive, so as calmly as possible, I requested that someone read the box to clarify what the antidote was. Mineral oil or baby oil would do the trick. Tinka had just used up her last of both, but drawing from her culinary experience, did a quick conversion and rushed into the midst of the chaos with olive oil. Fortunately, all but a few drops ended up in the carpet and Asher's hair. I was too busy to look Uncle Bud's way, but he was quiet obviously concluding that this was a situation better left to the parents. I hated the very idea that he had to witness this at all. He had just told me weeks previously that he would never have the audacity to try to tell me how to raise my children. He remained true to that conviction to the nth degree in this situation. As Asher cried and struggled to free his head of my finger, the grip between our flesh began to free, and I could see that an end to the nightmare was in sight. With a little more coaxing, my finger was free, and Asher had a layer of liquid bandage on his small cut. In a short while, he was pretty much back to his old self. We were all older now, and we may have grown in wisdom, but needless to say, we are always in a position of needing more. Our experience may equip us to better handle a situation to handle it in a cooler fashion, to improvise, or to let someone else do what they need to do without interfering or making it worse. And when faced with some things, it sure doesn't hurt just to say, Oh Lord. It is in situations like these that the only thing you can be is yourself. What comes out is what is deeply rooted inside. You don't tell yourself how to act, you just act. And if you have learned anything at all in life, the way you act will be a little more mature than the last time. If only Abe Lincoln could see how his life had inspired Nina Simone to write her songs about freedom, who inspired Mick Jagger to write his songs, and then see me bring a whole new meaning to the song Under My Thumb. Just as we had seen that day that Mr. Lincoln came from humble beginnings and would forever remain humble, God would see to it that I too forever remained humble. I was reminded that the task of passing on a legacy to our son would always involve a balancing act of trying to decide when to keep him under my thumb and when to encourage the separation of our flesh in its proper time. Within a few minutes of this incident, it was obvious that this was a story we would tell and laugh about, eventually. Asher would learn of his battle scar, which he would proudly display and talk about for years to come. It would be a battle scar suffered during the watch of his family while they discussed the fate of the world and how to pass on the values that make us who we are.
And a special thanks to Monty Montgomery for the editing and the production on that piece. And a special thanks to Brent Timmons for his work. And he listens to us on Spotify, and he lives in the state of Delaware. And my goodness, he's right about that balancing act. And any parent, any human being ultimately has to weigh when to keep people under their thumb and protect them, and when to go out on their own. And again, if you have stories, you can tell we love listeners' stories. We stand by that. We love hearing the stories from all over this great country, too. Big cities and small ones, big states, and a little state like Delaware. And I grew up in New Jersey right above it. Brent Timmons' story, under my thumb, here on Our American Stories. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.